now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10 verses 8 to 10, he says, But what does it say? That is, what does the Old Testament scriptures say? He says, this is what it says, The word is near you. God's word is near you. It's close to you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Paul is quoting from the Old Testament, from the book of Deuteronomy, in verse 8. And he says, what does the Old Testament tell us? The Old Testament, in the Old Testament, God says, look, my word is near you. If you need help, my word is your lifeline. You don't have to say who's going to go up to heaven to bring Christ down from heaven. Who's going to go down to the depths to bring Christ up from there. What's, where's, what's my lifeline? What's my helpline? God says, my words. And my word is near you. Why don't we all say this together? God's word is near me. See, God's word is available to all of us. It's near us. It's our helpline. But God, even in the Old Testament, He wanted His word to settle in two places in the lives of His people. He wanted His word to be in their heart and in their mouth. He said, my word is near you. It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. God wants His Word to reside in two places. In our heart and in our, in our mouth. Do you all agree? And when we do that, then we, God's Word is with us. It's near us. And that's our helpline. Anytime, anywhere, God's Word is near you. In your heart, in your mouth. In your heart, in your mouth. You don't have to say, who's going to bring Christ down from heaven? Who's going to raise up Christ from the dead? God's word is near you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. That's your helpline. Now what, what do you do with it? He continues in verse 9 and verse 10. For with the heart man believes. So believing is a function of the heart. With the heart man believes. So you believe that word that's in your heart. With the mouth confession is made. So you confess the word. You speak the word with your mouth. Amen. And that's what God instituted. He put it in the Old Testament. Paul's continuing it for us in the New Testament. When you believe in your heart, it brings you in a place of righteousness, a right standing with God. When you confess with your mouth, he says you have salvation. It brings into experience what God has promised. You receive salvation. Salvation, sozo in the New Testament, is God's total work of healing, deliverance, everything is in that word, sozo, salvation. So believing in our heart, confessing in our mouth, is something God placed in the Bible, in the Old Testament. It's for you and me to continue doing this in the new. Amen? God's word must reside in two places, in your heart. Believe it. In your mouth, confess it. And so every Sunday morning, we practice that. We do that, right? But during the week, I want you to keep up with that. During the week, Monday through Saturday, you do the same thing. God's word in your heart, believe it. God's word in your mouth, say it. Let's stand up to our feet as we do this together this morning. I want you to hold your Bible high up in the air. Say this out loud with me. This is God's word. 
This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This morning after our 8 o'clock service uh, over in the south, a young man who was sitting in, a service, in the service, his first time visitor, he was visiting, and then at the end of the service he came, he said, you know, uh, he's actually from a Hindu family. Uh, he had been overseas somewhere, and that's when somebody shared Jesus with him. He got saved, came back. He's here in Bangalore now, live, lives very close to our south church. And uh, he said, you know, last week I was praying to God, you know, God, I need a church. I need a place to go to. And he's the only believer in his whole household. And uh, he said, last week I came to the bank. You know, we, uh, our south church is in a, in a small building. It's a commercial building. So he said, I came to the bank. And on the way to the bank, I saw this sign, All People's Church. And uh, I just felt very inspired. Something in my, I know, he said, I didn't think about it the few days. But last two days, something inside me, you know, just started inspiring me. I must go to that service. So he said, so this morning I got up. And I came. And as soon as I walked in, I could feel the presence of God. Now, if this is a guy who is, he doesn't know what we're doing. I mean, he's, he said he came to know Jesus a year and a half ago. He's from a total, you know, non-Christian background. And he said, as I walked in this place, I could feel the presence of God. And then he said, this morning's message was just for me. This is what I needed to hear. And then he said, I'm going to bring some of my friends back to this place. Amen. I mean, I was just so amazed. I was so encouraged just listening to see how, you know, listening to this testimony and see how God just sets things up. I mean, he was going to the bank. He saw the sign. He forgot about it. Then suddenly, Friday, Saturday, something inside him said, you need to go back to that place. And he comes in. He experiences God's presence. God ministers to him during the service. And he is so touched. I mean, I, I, he was almost tearing up. But he was talking to me after service. Amen. God's at work and he works in amazing ways. We've been doing a series of studies on the presence of God. And today is our last uh, lesson in the series on the presence of God. Uh, If you brought this book, that's wonderful. If you don't have a copy of this publication that we're using called The Presence of God, uh, don't lift your hand because we don't have any more copies. (laughs) I was going to say lift your hand and I saw Amos saying, (laughs) so I quickly changed just look into your neighbor's copy. We don't have any more copies of this, sorry. Um, we've been talking about the presence of God. Uh, we've just been uh, looking at different dimensions of God's presence. God wants us to be hungry for Him. Amen? The Bible tells us we must be hungry for God, hungry for His presence. And... Uh, as we hunger for Him, then He draws near. Because the Bible says if we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. 
So God responds to our hunger, our desire for His presence. And God loves to see that, to see you being hungry for Him, being desperate for Him. He loves to see that. And He responds to it. He says, yes, I will draw near to you. And imagine when God draws near to you, what all that can happen. So we've been kind of exploring a little bit on what happens when God draws near to us, when He releases His presence to us in our midst. We've talked about uh, some of the uh, tangible manifestations of the presence of God when God's presence comes here. You know, He touches us, spirit, soul, and body. He can touch us in any dimension that He wants. And we just respond to His presence. If He touches you in your spirit, you respond. touches you emotionally, you respond. He touches you physically, you respond. You respond to God's touch on your life. We talked about the fire of His presence. What happens when the fire of His presence moves in? We talked about the light of His presence. We talked about the rain of God's presence. We talked about the glory of His presence. And this morning, I want to conclude this whole series by talking about the power of God's presence. When we are in God's presence, it's also the place of God's power. Amen? Now, you know, it's perfectly all right for you to desire the presence of God and for you to desire the power of God. It's perfectly all right. There's nothing wrong in you saying, God, I desire for you, I want to see your power and your glory. Nothing wrong in that. Psalm 63, this is in chapter 8, if you'll follow with me. Page 60, chapter 8. Psalm 63 Verses 1 and 2, the psalmist prayers, he says, Lord, I will seek you early. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, I have looked for you in the sanctuary. It's perfectly all right for you to look for God in the sanctuary when we gather together in God's presence. And what does he long for? To see your power and your glory. It's perfectly fine. For you and me to say, God, I want to see your power and your glory. I want to see more of this. Amen? Perfectly fine. We must hunger for it. My desire is that, you know, all of us must become so thirsty, so hungry for God and say, God, I want to see your power and your glory. When you gather, when we gather together on Sunday mornings, in our prayer meetings, in your home groups, in your cell groups, or even if you're just praying with another believer, even just two of you praying together, you must have that desire saying, God, I want you. I want your presence. I want to see your power and your glory. Amen. We must be that kind of a people who are desiring for God, for his presence, and to see his power and his glory. God will not get offended if you desire to see His power and glory. The Psalms desired it and God did, rebu- God did not rebuke Him for it. I said, why are you a power-hungry guy? You know, He didn't rebuke Him for it. He put it down for you and me to be inspired. Look, we must long to see His power and His glory. Long for it. What you and I must understand here this morning is that in the place of God's presence is also the place of His power. When you can feel the presence of God, now we know we talked about the, the invisible, intangible presence of God which always abides with us, but we are talking about the tangible presence of God. When you usher in His presence through praise, through your hunger, to seeking God, and you usher in His presence, then you need to know that in the place of His presence is also the place of His power. Where His presence is, His power is. Amen. Now there are several scriptures here. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 37 says that, you know, when God brought us people out of Egypt, He brought you out of Egypt with His presence, with His mighty power. 
So he brought you up with his presence and continues with his mighty power. So his presence is also a place of his power. When you pray for somebody, God touch him with your presence. You're also saying, God touch him with your power. Because his presence is a place of his power. Same thing in Habakkuk, the third chapter. Verses 3 and 4, it says, God came from Timon, the Holy One, from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens. The earth was full of His praise. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from His hand. And there, His power was hidden. So in His presence, in the light of His presence, it says, light flashing from His hand. And there, His power was hidden. His power is concealed in the place of His presence. Which means you and I need to do something. To unlock, to tap in to His presence. His power is hidden there. But you need to do something. Say, God, I want to touch that. I want to experience your power. But understand that every time you gather together with God's people, whether you're praying in a small setting, two of you just praying at home, seeking God, when His presence comes down, when you usher in the presence of God in that place, it's also the place of God's power. Over in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 4, this is what Paul says. You know, when you gather together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, with my spirit, so I'm there in the spirit. He says, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you gather in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, what else happens? It's the power of our Lord Jesus Christ is there. Amen. So here on Sunday mornings, when we gather together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we must understand it's also with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. His power is very much present when we gather together. And again, in 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 9, um, it associates the presence of the Lord and with His glorious power. Telling us once again that His presence and His power are go together. I want to encourage us. That as we learn about the presence of God, as we learn to tap into the presence of God, let's take this out wherever we are. Let's say, for instance, you know, you have somebody who is sick. And there are two of you there. Well, you can bring in the presence of God in that place. You say, how can we do it? You know that when you draw near to Him, He draws near to you. You know that when you uh, thirst for Him, He comes down like rain. When you worship, you're ushering in the presence of God in that place. So what do you do? Just get together and say, okay, let's just worship God for a few moments. And say, Lord, we want your presence. We want you to rain down in this place. And as you do that, you're ushering in the presence of God. And you're making, giving this sick person an opportunity to be touched by the power of God. And who does it? You can. In that place. In that home, in that school, in that college, in your place of work. If just you praying and ushering in the presence of God, you are actually bringing in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in that place. You're giving an opportunity for somebody to be touched by the power of God. Amen. So I want to encourage us, you know, all of us, God responds to the hunger of any person's heart. If you're hungry for God, He responds to you. Not just the pastor or the preacher. He responds to you. You're hungry for Him. So take this, apply it in your life, out in the streets, hunger for the presence of God. Say, God, we want to bring your presence here. Let healing flow here in this place. Or whatever work of deliverance. His mighty power is always there in His presence. Amen. So what does His mighty power do? This is very obvious. 
There are several places in scripture that tell us what his mighty power does. For instance, in Luke chapter 5 verse 17, it tells us that one day as the Lord Jesus was teaching in a place, the power of the Lord was present to heal. The power of the Lord was present to heal. It filled that place. It filled that room. So what many people call, they refer to this, refer this, to this as the healing anointing or the healing power of God. The power of the Lord was present to heal. So there are times when you are in the presence of God and His power is present to heal people. And many times in the presence of God, people get healed even without anybody praying for them. Why? Because His power was present to heal. Amen. Again in Luke 6, 17 through 19, it talks about Jesus. He had just spent the whole night in prayer. He had appointed His 12 disciples. He comes down from the mountain and it tells us that the whole multitude sought to touch Him. Why? Because power went out and healed them. Power flowed out of Jesus and healed people. And that was the kind of church that we see in the New Testament. It was a church where the Bible says that with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was on them all. That was what the church was born. It was born, it was birth in, in the fullness of, man, of the demonstration of the power of God. The church of the New Testament was a church where so much so that people came to the church. The Bible says in Acts 5, they brought the sick to the place where the apostles were. So that at least the shadow of somebody, Peter, might fall on some of them and they might be healed. It was a place where the power of God resided and the, the, the power of God was manifested. Now I realize that the church has weakened over the years in His power. And God is restoring this to the church. You and I are a generation that God has placed on the earth for such a time as this. To see the reviving, to see the restoration of God's presence and God's power here on earth. Amen. And what kind of a generation would you and I be? Would you and I be a generation that would just walk away from this and say, you know, we're just happy with church as usual. We've got our programs. We've got all these things. And God, you know, that's all we can do. Or would you and I be a generation that would say, God, if the early church had it, then we can too. Would you and I be a generation that, always, that realizes that God always finishes stronger than when He began? He always does it. He begins small, but the latter end will be greater than the former. The glory of the latter house is always greater than the former. So if you and I expect God to finish stronger than what He began with the early church, then you and I must be the generation that will press into God's presence and say, God, if we don't have what the early church had, then shame on us. Amen. We've got to be the generation that will say, God, we must have what the early church had and some more. We want more of your presence and we want more of your power that manifests itself in tangible healings and miracles and changed lives in our midst. Amen. Let's be that generation that will hunger for God's presence and hunger for God's power. Let's press into that. What really taps into the power of God? Sometimes we make it so complicated. But simple faith taps into the power of God. We have a great example of that, that woman with the issue of blood in Luke chapter 8 and also in Mark chapter 5. She had this issue of blood for 12 years. You and I know that story. And she heard about Jesus and she said, If I will only touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. 
And so she makes her way to the crowd and she presses into where Jesus was and she touches the hem of Jesus' garment. And instantly the Bible says, virtue flows out of Jesus, power goes out of Jesus into her and instantly makes her completely whole. And the Bible says, Jesus knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, he turned around and he said, who touched me? And the disciples say, Lord, why do you ask that question? There's so many people bumping into you. How, why do you ask the question, who touched me? Because this woman's touch was different. It was a touch of faith. And when this woman, knowing what was done in her, she, she spoke up and she said, I was the one who touched you and I've been whole. Jesus said to her, woman, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. So what was it that brought the power of Jesus into her being? It was her faith. She touched him with faith. And that brought the connection. That brought the release of the power of God into her being, making her completely whole. So what you and I must understand is that God responds to that simple faith. In moments like these, when we're gathered together in the presence of God, and you're, you're, you're recognizing God's presence invading this place, God's presence is here. Understand that God's power is also here. His power is hidden in the place of His presence. And faith in our hearts connects us with God's power and can bring God's power into our lives to work a work of healing, to do a work of deliverance, whatever it is. Faith connects you. With the power of God. Amen. So even without anybody laying hands on you, even without anybody praying a prayer over your life, if you will just have and release that simple faith, saying, God, this morning, I need healing. I need deliverance. God, I, I need a work of deliverance in my life. I need a change in my circumstance. Whatever it is, if you will release that faith, you can experience the power of God entering into your world and bringing a difference. Amen. And it can happen in your own room. And when you're just meeting together with two, three people praying, the presence of God is there, you release your faith and tap into the power of God. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 11 says this, that, that God will fulfill the good pleasure of His will and the work of faith with power. God will fulfill your work of faith with His power. He fulfills it, meaning He completes your work of faith. So you are doing something in faith what does God do? He completes your work of faith with His power. So you do your part, your work of faith, whatever it might be. Releasing your faith to touch into God's power. But when you do your work of faith, God releases, completes your work of faith, fulfills your work of faith with His power. Amen. So let us as a body hunger for God's presence. Corporately, when we gather together, let us hunger for God's presence and say, God, we want the fire of your presence. We want the light of your presence. We want the rain of your presence. We want the glory of your presence, God. We want to be a people of your presence. Amen? Can we all do that? Can we all be hungry for God's presence? Throughout the week, Monday through Saturday, and when you gather in your prayer groups, in your cell groups, in your prayer meetings, in our prayer, in our prayer meetings, in our associates, let us be hungry for the presence of God. Let us be a people who will hunger for His presence. And then experience the different facets, the different dimensions of God's presence released among, amongst us in our midst. Amen? Let's rise up to our feet this morning. I'm going to call the worship team up so that we can just spend some time here together in the presence of God. I want you to desire for the presence of God to just grace your life this morning. Whatever area of need, God's more than able to address that.
Maybe some of us just need a reviving of the call of God, of the anointings of God, of the grace of God upon our lives. We know that that, that happens in His presence. That the gifts of God are revived, are rekindled. So maybe that would be your prayer this morning and saying, God, even as I stand in your presence, revive me, O God. Revive the gifts, revive the call, revive the anointing in my life. Maybe some of us just need our love for God rekindled. That happens in His presence, in the fire of His presence. There's a rekindling of zeal and love for God. I love that to happen this morning as we stand in His presence. Let's worship Him and hunger for the Lord, for His presence. Let's be a people. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.